0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Alberta IoT. A huge thank you to Brenda Beckendorf and her team for the work they're doing to establish Alberta as the worldwide center of excellence for the Internet of Things technology. Okay, before we go any further, IoT, you say? In an era of acronyms, it's never been easier to get lost in the weeds of jargon. Let's start with the basics. What is the internet of things? Well, IoT describes the network of physical objects, the things, that are embedded with sensors, software, and other technologies for the purpose of connecting and exchanging data with other devices and systems over the internet. Thank you, Google, for that definition. Let's take it one step further. Think the smart thermostat in your home, the Apple watch on your wrist, all the way to the remote sensors on a piece of equipment a hundred miles from the nearest town. We are surrounded with sensors in all aspects of our life. And with the evolution of the internet, And our ability to bring all of those sensors together and then to process large amounts of data, the Internet of Things is being used to make our lives better, safer, make our companies more profitable, and the list continues. Alberta IoT was founded in 2017 by a group of passionate Albertans and has grown to over 175 member companies. These range from startups to established organizations who are pivoting and expanding into this exciting sector. At the core of the Alberta IoT approach is the ability for leaders to share a common voice and to support each other to grow as an entire sector. We are stronger together, and Alberta IoT has provided the platform and and essentially the ability for these companies to come together to share that voice. From their fast-track program, to their work with government, to helping increase visibility for local companies, they are at the intersection of this amazing growth opportunity. Join me as I chat with some of the zebras and soon-to-be unicorns in Alberta who are helping to put our province on the map as a global leader in IoT. To find out more about Alberta IoT and its member companies, as well as upcoming events, please visit their website at www.albertaiot.com. Hello, and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Alvin Pike. How are you, Alvin? Doing well, Tyler.
1: Thank you very much for having me on this morning. Oh, an, abso-
0: an absolute pleasure. You are joining me as part of our partnership with Alberta IoT and our, you know, opportunity to tell the IOT story in Alberta. I think it's a really cool story. I also believe that it's an acronym that can be easily misunderstood. You know, when we live in a, I think we live in a province of three letter acronyms, but IOT Internet of Things is something that I'm starting to hear more and more. I'm really quite excited about and very much believe in the mandate of Alberta IOT to be that Alberta can and and should and will be the center of excellence for IOT globally. So with that as our backdrop, let's start by introducing Titan Logics Corp. And you're the CEO of Titan. I always love to joke. We just jumped into an elevator. We got thirty floors. Give me the give me the Titan elevator uh, elevator pitch, Alvin.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Titan Logics uh, started out uh, uh, innocently enough forty years ago as a gold mine, and uh, I like to quit that I'm trying to turn it back into a gold mine <laughs> with data being the gold this time. So it has quite a circuitous route to get to here. Uh, we are a public company, very small public company, we're, we're of a size that likely we should be private, but the nature of the, of the business, it changed hands over the years, over 40 years, uh, started uh, you know, as a gold mine and then into the mining technology business and, and technology around mining and, and trucks and, and sensors, and it evolved into a company called Titan Pacific and ultimately went uh, public as Titan Logics Corp. Okay. So, uh, I started with the company four years ago. I joined the board after retiring from my company and I joined the board. Uh, I had all the right skills according to the people that selected me. I'm a professional engineer, an entrepreneur, and a technology buff. I, uh, I, I love technology. Um, I've studied it my whole life and, uh, you know that's that's really I'm a scientist at heart. You know, super curious, always uh, always looking at how things tick and how they work, and pulling things apart. And this was a great opportunity for me to you know almost revert back to my childhood where I get to awesome. play with things that are new, uh, pull it apart, and, and and see what makes it tick, and see how we can make a, a better uh, a better product. So uh, we started out mostly, as I mentioned, a uh, hardware uh, supplier sensors, uh, designing our own. And, uh, when I come in, I saw an opportunity to take those sensors and connect them through telematics. The, the company had fallen behind, I believe on the, on the telematics scene. I mentioned the story about, uh, us shutting down an oil plant in Yemen from downtown Calgary mm. in 1994. So, you know, telematics has come an awful long way. Um, and has been around for a long time. And Titan was behind, uh, very far behind in that game. So my goal was to change the company, uh, to pivot from hardware into software and telematics, uh, take the great sensors that we produce and leverage off of our current customer base and grow the company through the telematics and, of course, uh, the IoT. And you know, it's uh, although I've known about IoT for fifteen, twenty years. It's been talked about now for quite some time on the consumer side. I really got introduced to IoT uh, about three years ago when I went to a show down in Houston, the uh, oil and I, IoT and oil and gas. Okay, and I, a light bulb went on for me. Uh, first off, uh, I think I mentioned uh, that. I believe that IOT, Industrial IOT as it were, is really uh, scada light, uh, and it's just a, a repackaging of things we've done in the past. Now, those purists out there might say, yeah, well, that was a little different, but SCADA, the word SCADA, Supervisory Control and Data Acquisition, is really what Industrial IOT is. It's taking sensors out in the field, measuring important stuff for our customers or for the world in general, pulling that data in and performing some analytics on it. When you think about SCADA in the old days, when we had a pipeline that had a remote pump station or remote valve block valve, there was really the only way to get that data was through radios, through uh, point to point microwave radio systems. But in essence, we were doing the same thing for process. We were gathering a bunch of data transmitting it to a place where we can do analytics on it, and then basing decisions on the results of those analytics. Process control, as you, as it will mm-hmm. work. So, you know, IoT is something that uh, has really gone mainstream, and I think we're going to see a lot more uh, new technology coming out, new sensors to pull in important data, some of the Guys that I worked with in the Alberta IoT uh, Fast Track program are coming up with some great technologies uh, around uh, measurement of sound around cities, uh, smart cities, doing stuff that uh, that connect buildings together and connect the infrastructure in in the downtown core of say Calgary. Uh, all of this stuff is just uh, you know it's following Moore's law, in my belief, it's it, it's doubling every uh, every couple of years and. And uh, we're seeing a real acceleration of uh, industrial IoT in the uh, in the business world. When
0: you talk about, you know, this being around for a long period of time, and I, I appreciate that, you know, all of a sudden something gets on our radar as, you know, as individuals, as business leaders, and it feels new. But when you peel back, there are some layers that this has been built upon. But when you talk about new technology, is it really just a combination of not only how we collect the data Versus how we, you know, assess it. But you know, you mentioned new things like assessing acoustical information, noise, noise levels. Are we also just, you know, increasing our ability to measure more things at the same time? Is that also a contributing factor?
1: Yeah. If you think about uh, the technology that we have today with cellular technology and the cost of, of satellite communications coming down significantly, you can see that uh, there's an improved bandwidth. Uh, we've got 5G networks out there. Um, uh, they're coming out with a machine network for 5G, I, I forget the name of it now, um, but the cost of technology has come down significantly. So what was costing you know thousands of dollars, if you think of a typical SCADA system to manage a valve station out in the field, in the old days that was a $75,000 touch, just to get a, a SCADA unit out there uh, with the battery connection and all of that, because of course you're in the middle of a place where there's no power. So, uh, it was extremely expensive. That has all come down. The cost of of producing sensors has come down. Uh, The bandwidth has gone up. The cost of of transmitting data has gone down. So, it's become more mainstream and also more accessible to uh, a lot smaller companies and and those without big pocketbooks. So, you can see uh, small oil, oil and gas companies, the juniors, the intermediates, now able to put SCADA out on their valves and not have to have uh, an operator run around in the field and and go to each site and and see this stuff so uh, that that has certainly um, created an opportunity for um, for I guess penetration into the uh, industrial IOT the other thing I think that we're, we're seeing is a merger of process data, with business data. And uh, that to me is the most exciting piece where I can take a piece of data that at one time was only used to control the process where now they're using that data to control the business. So that combined with the computing power that we have available to us now for doing analytics and AI in the old days, think of a company like Schlumberger as an example that has just, terabytes of data over the last 25 years that they've collected, that they haven't really had the computing power to ingest it all and find the story, find the uh, connections, the relationships between the data. Now with the um, advent of all of the computing power we have, we're able to do more of that and produce better results from that data.
0: I appreciate your comment about being able to take what is what used to be processed data almost in its own little silo and business data now to influence decisions where you can now truly find some of those competitive advantages around efficiency, around cost savings, around all those factors. Uh, curious if you can like you talked about you know when you first got involved with Titan you you know we need to move more from a hardware to a software. Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown of like when you think about IoT? It's a nice it's one of those big headers right IoT and then everything that falls underneath. How many different stakeholder groups or like when I think about the ecosystem to use potentially a pivot and ecosystem the two buzziest words of the last eighteen months. But you think of the the IoT ecosystem like I see hardware I see software I see you know. Uh, data analysis I see communication like it feels like there's a lot of space underneath industrial iot where there can be a lot of different companies I'm assuming there's probably and maybe you can is there more specialization in each pillar or is there companies that are kind of bridging across the whole breadth of you know the cradle to grave of what it takes to to get benefit from industrial iot
1: yeah I I think uh you know from uh from the user side um The ability to get the data real-time, accurate, reliable, now is allowing (laughs) businesses to make those business decisions on the data, whereas in past there may have been holes in it, uh, intermittent data, you know, really difficult to make a decision when you've got uh, uh, unreliable data coming in. So uh, I think with... uh, with the technology in, in all the areas that you speak of, the improvement of each one of those areas has certainly made it a lot better uh, and reliable, more accurate, of course. Um, now, when we talk about an IoT, there's, in, in my belief, and, and this is just, I don't, I don't know if this is something I read, I dreamed, or, <laughs> or, or I made up, but I believe that we have five pillars of an IoT solution from end to end. And not all companies play in all five of those areas well. So you have to pick and choose what you're going to do. So when you think about it, the the first pillar is the generation of the data. It's the sensors out in the field that generate this data. And then the second pillar, of course, is the transmission of that data to the cloud. And you talk about communications. So there are specialty companies out there in the communications world. Um, Then you talk about uh, the uh, collection and management of the data. That is your cloud services, data lakes, uh, your backroom servers. So the third pillar is the collection and management of that data, okay? Then fourth, once you have it there, it's the analytics piece. Now you go into uh, the artificial intelligence, the machine learning, just the pure analytics of analyzing that data, the fourth pillar. And then finally, the fifth one is the UI UX, the user interface, user experience that you produce for your users from the results of those analytics. So that creates a five uh, tier or a five pillar uh, system. We like to think that Titan Logics plays in those first three, okay. where the, d- the data generators, the uh, trend, the communicators and the collectors. We don't have the, the team built up. We don't have the size to bring in all of the data scientists and, uh, and pull together the analytics that, uh, that produce all those uh, great results. So we rely on partners to do that. Now, we have decided most recently to go into the UI UX uh, piece, and we've, uh, we're starting to de- develop our own UI UX piece. Okay. And uh, at some point, I would like to say that we could also do the analytics. But when you think about the expertise across the range of of the solution, there is so much diversity in the expertise required from hardware engineers and firmware engineers and project managers and and data scientists and and communications engineers. You need a fairly large uh, pocketbook and company. Yeah, these, these are all to be able to these develop. are all
0: highly skilled, highly sought after individuals I imagine as well.
1: Sure, and uh, anecdotally I've heard I've heard things like there's 10 jobs for every data scientist coming out of school right.
0: I've now. heard something similar. So if You have
1: kids at that age where they're thinking where they want to go, I would recommend that they get into data science. And, I've and heard computer that as well. Science, yeah, that's that's where we're going.
0: When it comes to Alberta, when you think about, you know, our Certainly, I love Alberta IoT's position of like to be the center of excellence for IoT from on the global stage. When you think of those five pillars, are there areas that in Alberta where we tend to have more of like, like, you, like, you're very honest, I love it. Like we're, you know, it's hard to be good in all five and it takes a really breadth and depth to do that. When you look across our province and being involved in the fast track program and some of the people that you know in the space, do we have like, are we weak in any one of those areas or is there opportunity or is there also areas where we're exceptionally strong just by the DNA of our province?
1: Um, that's a good question. And uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're definitely the strongest uh, in, in all five of those. I think we're strongest on the software side, on okay. the, uh, the UI UX, the, the data analytics right now. Um, Of course, we do have lots of great little companies that are producing uh, new devices, uh, new um, edge sensors, um, uh, point of presence sensors, they call them, in in vehicles. A lot of that technology is still coming out of uh, Silicon Valley and and other places where uh, they have the capability of manufacturing the um, electronics and, and the pieces and components locally. We don't have a whole lot of that manufacturing capability here in Alberta right now. Uh, there are there are a few great companies out there that, that uh, build uh, PCBs and and you know there's some great companies in Alberta IoT that are they're coming up with some really great sensors. You know, Make Things uh, that comes to mind, uh, and and a few others that uh, that elude me right now. But okay. uh, I think software. I think we're getting known in the in the world as as um, an analytics uh, uh, region, uh, technology around the software, that sort of thing. I again, anecdotally, mm-hmm. I I heard that we are like in the top three in the world when it comes to data analytics.
0: Excellent, oh, I've, I've so, heard
1: that.
0: and is is it yeah. more industry specific? Obviously, we have deep roots in the energy sector here, and a lot. You know, we have a we have a province that has sensors from top to bottom, kind of thing how much is iot industry specific versus agnostic if a group is coming in to build sensors for collecting acoustical information versus collecting you know fluid levels or flow rates or things like that that happen you know in in any kind of industrial environment is it is it very much leaning towards we you know from your perspective we would be seen as more strong in the resource sector or is iot a little bit more universal
1: well i i think that's the that's the the the, the crux of, of why we're advancing so quickly in in the uh, data world, okay. in the data science, is the fact that, uh, first off, we have a lot of firsts here in Alberta in the resource sector. When we look at what has gone on in the oil sands over the last 40 years, and, and some of the stuff, the accomplishments that have been made in, uh, in heavy oil, um, although I believe now we're, we're out of favor, obviously, in, in oil and gas right now and uh, really the, uh, uh, the big hairy monster that's out there for, uh, for the world. And so I think that a lot of this stems from us, again, with the P word, the, the pivot, where we're having to, uh, I guess, uh, diversify away from uh, the resources sector. Although I do believe that a lot of the technology companies in here are still uh, selling to oil and gas, the hope is is to break out of the oil and gas mold, I think, for a lot of these companies, including us. We would love to get into other markets and we're certainly building uh, sensors and data that allows us to do that sort of thing. So um, I think that uh, um, it's a little of both. It's a, the, the other thing that I'm super proud of in Alberta here is our clean technology, our clean resources technology. Um, we lead the world in in improving the greenhouse gas emissions. And yet we still uh, seem to be vilified for it while we continue to what I call be the martyrs for the rest of the world. We will, it, um, you know... I guess the word would be injure ourselves in the oil and gas sector to prove that we are the most responsible in oil and gas. So we become really the barters for the, for clean tech and, and for uh, uh, clean resource use. At some point I'd sure like to see that stop and say hey um, you know there's other countries in this world I'm sure we could name that that have uh, just an absolutely horrendous environment. You don't don't have to
0: dig very deep for those names to come to mind, which feels like another episode. But yeah, I agree that we get held up. We, as the proverbial we being the province, get held up as this harbinger of death when it comes to everything environmental, which you talk to anyone. My wife's worked in the sector 20 years. She's like, well, that is just not how we operate. The amount of due diligence that we put in to reclamation of water, you know, you go down the list. It is, you know, like you said, world-class, but the the story is not getting told that way. <laughs> and it does, I think, it, I think yeah. it pisses a lot of us off unless people have <laughs> <laughs> to.
1: Yeah, sure. I, I grew up in Fort McMurray. So I was around in the seventies when, uh, when all this was coming, uh, you know, uh, reaching its peak. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I worked in the environmental department at St. Crude when I was a kid and, I planted a lot of the trees that now where the buffalo roam in the uh, in the reclaimed original mine at Sinkroute, for example, and you know every time I drive by that site, I'm quite proud of the fact that hey, I may have planted that tree that that buffalo is standing beside right now. And that's awesome. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's 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 great. I think we do a, a great job in in stewarding our environment here in Alberta.
0: I appreciate I know I appreciate that and and that's a story that needs to be told and needs to be talked about. Uh, when you talk about, you know, yourselves as a, you know, for a 40-year company, you've been through lots of iterations and growth. W- when you look at your customer base right now and kind of like where you are now versus where you're headed, what what portion of your business would be Alberta versus Western Canada versus Canada? I'm always curious about that also that opportunity for Alberta companies to take some of their skills, their talent, their technology and their know-how and then spreading it around the world. But, you know, sometimes I've also heard that that's a challenge because there's always this energy sector story tied to it versus, like you said, the ability to add value in other sectors and other areas that are maybe unrelated to energy.
1: Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, again, with with us, we, uh, we've been tied to oil and gas in Alberta here for a lot of years, having, uh, you know, roots here in Edmonton. Uh, but truly, 90, 90% of our business is now in the U.S. Oh,
0: nice. 90%. Um, oh, that's a real number.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, well, of course, with the, uh, with the, the downturn in the, in the resource economy here in, in Alberta, uh, we have certainly shifted our efforts to the U.S. where they seem to be booming a little more in the, in the oil fields. And, and, and uh, to be clear, we're still uh, heavily resource-based from a, from a customer point of view. We're, uh, we're oil and gas customers uh, the oil field service companies that move the oil and and drilling fluids and uh, water around the oil fields we're, we're still that company okay. we're trying to break out of course into into agriculture into uh, other areas of the industry um, of the industries in in Canada and the US but uh, it will be some time, I think, before we get back to the point, if we ever get back to the point where it's a more balanced uh, uh, customer base, uh, Canada and the U.S. We're, we're quite a ways away from that yet, I think, but it certainly would be nice to get back to serving more uh, local customers here in Canada as we uh, diversify our our product lines.
0: So would you say that there's that's simply because, you know, is the downturn the main, you know, kind of item to blame versus I'm always curious of what's the balance between openness and, and willingness to adopt new technologies. I've had it said on the show many times that a lot of Alberta-based companies, there's a big lineup to be second, but there's a shorter line to be first. And there, there's so how is your experience with being south of the border when their willingness uh, to take I, on?
1: I would suggest that that's all around the world. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Fair, um, fair enough. Fair we'll enough. Let's not, it, let's we'll not, look not look just pick on, on Alberta. Let's and, not yes. pick on Alberta. It's not just Alberta. Yeah. Um, again, if you look at our technology up in uh, in the oil sands and the things that we had to be first at mm. in order to exploit that resource, um, you know, hydro transport, uh, you know. Tailings pond uh, technologies—you know all sorts of stuff that we were first on. That, I mean, you look at some of the equipment that we, we use out there; it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that uh, that it, it, it survives one minus forty winter and and, and still operate <laughs> yes. the next year. So, I I think that we were still innovative, but oil and gas in general is about ten years behind in in my estimation okay, on the use of technology so when there's a new technology come out it's about 10 years before it gets adopted mainstream in oil and gas hmm. unless there's some super compelling uh advantage to using it immediately it usually takes some time before a, an, uh, an oil or a oil and gas company will use new technology.
0: Has that shifted at all in the last, you know, through the downturn where companies maybe had to try a little harder for operational efficiencies? Has that shortened at all? Or is that kind of a running, a running timeline?
1: You know, it's funny. I would say that when we were at $30 a barrel oil, Mm -hmm. that the oil companies were really focused on how do I uh, trim costs, how do I be more efficient, and maybe at that point, people were starting to look at new technologies and saying, can that help me reduce my operating costs? Mm -hmm. When you've got $80 an oil, a a barrel oil, it becomes less compelling to adopt efficient technologies because of course in the old days, when oil companies had a problem, they just threw money at (laughs) it, hand over fist until they solved the problem, right? Uh, Those days are gone, (laughs) you know? it's 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 not an open checkbook anymore to solve a problem now it's uh it's uh, it's a lot more uh, targeted and uh i guess uh strategic in how they spend their money so there there is a uh, um, some shift i think but again still uh, a little bit behind and, and of course it makes it difficult for those companies creating new technology whose Customer base in Alberta is oil and gas, right? right? And you're trying to get the new technology in, in there and get it adopted mainstream. So it's it's a difficult sell with new technology.
0: Uh, I've heard that that that's that story. Unfortunately, rings over and over again on the show with different guests. Uh, curious your thought. I'm, I'm, you're, you've become a resident expert. I hope you realize that now. I'm just going to start firing different questions at you. <laughs> what what are your what's your perspective and what have you seen with the role? You know, the increasing awareness and increasing sensitivities, importance of ESG playing when it comes to reporting because when you talk about being able to process data to make better business decisions to create efficiencies and maybe less environmental impact social governance all those things is that playing a factor like is is that a, is that a pressure point that's that's pushing companies to maybe adopt some of these new technologies faster than they might have 5 or 10 years ago
1: I, I think it, it, in in a certain uh, sliver I would say yes uh, again if we go back to technologies and and what we're creating in, in some of the clean tech in Alberta here. Again, as highly focused on, uh, on oil and gas. So, um, you know, I think that uh, um, we will continue to create technologies to improve that. Now, as far as, I mean, ESG is the, is the new buzzword. And if yes. you haven't jumped on board yet, you're being left behind. And, you know, I have a real problem with people that start to develop esg just because they were told that everybody else is Hmm. you know when we talk about this there has to be some um um what's the word i'm looking for some truth in why you're doing this that you actually believe in it it's not because you're being told to or the world is adopting it that's not the reason to to adopt an esg policy i mean you have to truly believe in in those uh, concepts. You have to believe in the environment and improving uh, the use of our resources. And I've gone online to fight for Alberta oil and gas and say, no, we can't just cut this off. What we have to do is find a better way yeah. to use it, to continue to use our resources responsibly. And that's where the ESG comes into play. When a company truly believes in it and they've do- adopted it because they want to be a better company, a better uh, leader, in, not just in an environment, but in the social behavior uh, of the company itself. Um, I think that's 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 a, a noble effort. Mm-hmm. But again, I see so many companies jumping on the bandwagon as um, what I would call virtue signal. Yeah. Right, We are an ESG company. It feels a bit I'm like like, pilot, like, green, so. like greenwashing
0: from a, you know, we've all seen that happen. Like that, that trend ran its cycle. And I'm not saying, th- this just feels like another evolution of potentially that, that negativity of like, let's throw some green logos around and tell people we're making some good choices. And all of a sudden we've checked the box kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's admirable those companies that are truly uh, digging in to try to figure out how to, uh, how to improve their, their impact on the environment as well as on the, on the social fabric of the people that uh, that live and breathe around these sites, you know, for work and, 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 you know, all the good they do in the community and that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: like, and I'm drawing my own line, you know, but it say, feels like a pretty easily, It's not even a dotted line, it feels like the IoT, the ability for IoT to get you that data in a way that you can now make better decisions that then influence all those things it, it feels like it's a very natural fit but maybe i'm just i'm oversimplifying it's probably a lot of things that bolt together but if you don't have the data to make better decisions to cause different outcomes then you're really just kind of shooting blindly
1: <laughs> sure and and if we look at uh, at uh, uh, wastewater coming from well sites you know from uh, from drilling uh, drilling fluids and and then the uh, produced water that comes out of the well site i mean that uh That is something that I'm sure a lot of people don't recognize, how much water is used in fracking operations, for example. All that water comes up and it's no longer usable for much. We've created some really great technologies here in Alberta to clean that water up and recycle it. But until that happens, we're still filling up tanker trucks and driving them down highways to find disposal wells to dump that water back down into the earth with. And... There is an absolute ton of that. And uh, people don't, I don't think people realize exactly how much water is used in fracking operations. Mm -hmm. And if they did, I think they'd be screaming blue murder that uh, we need to improve this. And this is where technology can do that. I've heard anecdotally that uh, a couple of uh, um, uh, resource companies, have adopted a uh, tracking water technology around uh, moving wastewater and produced water. To really, to really identify the, tr- the impact, upwards, interesting. Yeah, it saved upwards of 30% of their operating costs uh, with, with, with being better, uh, better operators.
0: Uh, 30, 30, so, 30% you know is a real that, number like that. You're now drawing impact. Yeah. You're actually having direct impact on that project.
1: Sure. So, if you think a company with a billion-dollar operating budget spends anywhere from ten to, say, forty percent of their uh, operating budget moving water, so say anywhere from a hundred to four hundred million dollars, and then you save thirty percent on that, you're saving, you know, thirty to one hundred twenty million dollars a year in operating costs. But on top of that, the operating cost savings are taking trucks off the road. Less, uh, less GHGs, um, you know, improved road safety with less trucks on the road. I mean, the, the, the whole concept has the ability to improve um, the efficiencies for these companies. So you think about water and tracking water, that's a, that's a really good place where IoT is meeting ESG and improving the bottom line of these companies. So it's a compelling story to say, let's move in that direction. Let's start tracking this stuff. And again, it's going to become required by the government. It is, of course, here in Canada, less so in the U.S. Uh, It's it's regionally mandated in the U.S. and, and regionally controlled. But eventually, they're going to put the clamps on water usage and say, hold on a second here. We need to track this. You need to be recycling at least 50% of your water. And um, the only way you're going to be able to tell if they're doing that is by tracking it all. Interesting.
0: And is that, is that what it's going to come down to? We're going to kind of way off on a left field here, but is it just come down to like until it's regulated? Because when you tell me a savings of 30% and you throw some numbers around like that scenario you just painted, there feels like there's no reason not to do it. But yet clearly not everyone is. Does it require the fact that we're going to have to legislate it and basically make it law? To, before we'll get everybody to come on board yeah I,
1: I i absolutely i think uh i think it's coming um as i say it's it's quite regulated here in canada uh from the point of view of uh, of tracking it now the reporting is still quite manual and i think this is where there's some savings within uh, uh oil and gas companies as well in automating the whole process of of uh, of reporting to the government, all the paperwork, getting rid of all that paperwork, and we're seeing a movement. For example, on on the transportation of dangerous goods, where the government has now gone to an electronic uh, a reporting system for the transportation of electronic good of uh, of dangerous goods. Um, so we're going to see more of this uh, as as the technology improves, as it becomes more reliable. We're going to see a lot of this uh, uh, tracking using IoT to track and things that are going this on. Is
0: this there. is only going to be something we're going we're going to see more of here over the next the uh, the uh, d- 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 as the future unrolls. Maybe talk a little bit about and you know I want to want to give a little bit of a plug to Outboard IoT and more specifically to their fast track program which you know I when I was when it was brought to my attention I found it very interesting to hear about just the mix of the cohort of you've got a 40 year company and then you've got a 6 month company kind of all sitting around the same table which often in those incubators and those kind of startup nurture programs you tend to get more of the startup crowd. I thought it was really interesting how they mix that cohort. So curious kind of what your experience was being involved in that and how you saw that working as somebody who was at the table.
1: Yeah, I I have to say I really enjoyed uh, being part of the program. Uh, I'm not so sure that we as a company ourselves would get uh, a a great impact from that being a 40-year-old company. We have a lot of the stuff in place. And, uh, you know, the people in our organization are, are quite experienced around Things like marketing and accounting and uh, raising funds and those sort of things. So when you see uh, a lot of the companies that are in the uh, in the Fast Track program, they're young guys. They're 25, 26 years old, came out of school, had a great idea, ran with it, created new technology, and are now trying to get it out in the field. They have no marketing experience. They don't know how to raise money. Heck, they probably don't even know how to set up an office uh, all that well to, uh, to, to make sure that it's... Uh, you know, it works well for their team, and so and they're you know at this point probably small teams, so they're still learning how to lead people. Yep. Um, you know, great ideas, but uh, not a whole lot of experience about, around running business. And and certainly, I, I see a lot of me in those in those young people <laughs> that, are, that are running these companies. And, and when I was a, when I was a young man and, and full of ambition, but really didn't have the skill set to to manage it, so. I think it was really smart that uh, that the uh, Alberta IoT put some experienced companies in with some startups to kind of give that knowledge transfer and and what I like to call the knowledge mapping. It's get the knowledge mapping from the the people that have been around for a while, get it to those uh, uh, younger companies that haven't been around for that long. So it was a, it was a really good mentoring uh, event for for the young companies that are out there and. I, I loved it. I really enjoyed uh, meeting the people. Um, a lot of energy in, in, in the young people in the room, and, uh, and it, was, it was fun.
0: Is, would you say that, you know, what's happening in, in Alberta and in the IOT kind of movement and all the thing that it entails, it feels like it's very, and I've had a few other guests on, it feels very collaborative. It also feels like there's a sense of abundance in the in, in the meaning that there's lots of opportunity to go around. You know, sometimes you get people in the same room that are somewhat competitors or maybe playing in the same space. It gets a little bit like mine versus yours. I'm not hearing that in this, in this sector. I'm hearing that there's a lot of collaboration and that there's so much opportunity that there feels like there's room at the table for the startup to the seasoned company, like everyone's got something to learn but there's market opportunity out there is that is that kind of you're not you're nodding because to me that's you're going to get a lot more of a positive outcome with that kind of philosophy right
1: sure you are but but when you think about it right now if you if you think about you know five or six of these startup companies that are 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 pre revenue generating companies what are they fighting over they don't have anything yet that uh, that's to be fought over. So you know, it's like five crows standing around in a circle, looking down at a couple of crumbs. Who's gonna who's <laughs> gonna go after the crumb? Better off sticking together and and trying to find uh, you know the, the whole loaf uh, of bread. Loaf. <laughs> exactly. And, nice, uh, i like that. <laughs> again, I think that there's 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 a strategy here that, that there's a play that. I can see in the future a lot of these companies that, that that are successful and manage to get through the pre-revenue startup phase, get to post-revenue startup, that will eventually gather together. There will be a, a consolidation of of technology companies over time, whether they get gobbled up by Google, Microsoft, uh, Amazon. Uh, I mean. In a lot of cases, I'm sure this is the goal of these startups: right. get it to yeah. a certain size where uh, you get noticed by a, by a Microsoft and say, "Okay, that technology would fit well with what we're doing on the industrial side." And you can see Microsoft and and the Googles of the world, uh, Amazon, all getting into that industrial space now. Mm-hmm. They're getting oh, away from consumer base and into industrial. So you're going to see
0: more and more of that well that's great because that, that brings more money into the game right that brings more talent right. that, yeah i like that a lot actually mm-hmm.
1: yeah so so there will there will be a roll-up strategy that happens uh, you know over the next 10 years or who knows how long it'll happen because of course let's face it a lot of these young companies won't be able to make it to post revenue yep. and beyond and so rather than lose the technology and and watch it die and wither array wither away pick it up, and move it into somebody that has deeper pockets that can advance it beyond the startup phase.
0: appreciate that. So when it comes to Alberta and what you're seeing here, is there anything, you know? if we were going to wave our magic wand and, and remove some barriers or, or provide some, some well-needed fuel, is there anything that's kind of in the way of where you see this industry going, or is it just time and the, the cycle? I'm, I'm always curious, if we were going to make it better, how, w- how would we pave the road to be even more, more, uh, more smooth?
1: Let's get more people through our universities and our schools. I think education is the key to um, to accelerating us out of the gate here and having uh, more people. We're all hearing about labor shortages. You know, finding full stack developers, yeah. data scientists is very difficult. So I think that's the biggest barrier we have to what's going on right now is is the human resource uh, piece. And so, um, you know, as I say, putting more people through universities and technical colleges. Focusing on the future on uh, IoT technology, I think, is the key to uh, improving our acceleration out of the gate.
0: As an organization, do you guys have a relationship? And I've had a lot of post-secondary on. I've done, had a lot of you know instructors and, and deans from SAIT on talking about it. Are the schools, as a school system in Alberta, are they taking IoT seriously? Or is it is it more we're teaching technology and then you can apply it to IoT? Or are we treating, you know, because I, I know IoT is a bit of a catch-all uh, acronym. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Again, we talk about IoT being five pillars, and right. and the uh, the most important pillar right now that I believe that we need in Alberta is the analytics and the UI UX. So the software developers at this point, um, I guess the, the 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 third pillar, the data collection management, uh, also falls into the software category. So I do see um, us needing to to. Uh, I guess support schools putting more people out that can manage that sort of yeah. stuff. So very focused on that uh, data science and and uh, and uh, computer science.
0: Because unfortunately, no matter who you talk to and what sector they're in, those are the same people that are in demand. Like th- that's a kind of a universal. <laughs> that's the, and so, that's a so challenge. Ten to one. Yeah, yeah I, I heard you loud. <laughs> Let's earlier. put out
1: nine more uh, data <laughs> scientists. Uh, than we, than we have in the past. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and, and let's face it, I mean, we are up there. The, uh, the U of A is considered one of mm-hmm. the best schools for artificial intelligence on the planet. So, um, you know, we are promoting it. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, a relationship with the, the U of A, okay. uh, of course, and, and we hire summer students, uh, co-op students year-round. Uh, we currently only have one, but we just sent five back to school over the summer. So... <laughs> Um, you know, we do, are, we are very um, uh, pro-education.
0: I appreciate, how's it, and this is more now business question, how's it been through COVID for you guys being able to, I have understood, like the, the intern and the summer, the summer student and like that has been a challenge over the last kind of 20 months for a lot of companies. Mm.
1: Yeah, you know, the COVID thing, I, I think uh, it, it hit us broadside, hit us hard in March of, of 20. Our revenue dropped in half. And uh, everybody went home, and you know there was a uh, the you know a very a lot of uncertainty. And I think we took the right steps to hold our team together and, and remain cohesive. And I think I am most proud of coming through COVID with my team generally intact and still very uh, positive about the future. And. That's been a concerted effort by our leadership team to create bonding within our team remotely. And, and it's not easy to do. It's not easy to create culture when you've got 20 or 25 people working from home and, and not being able to be in the same room with each other. It's, it's been very difficult, but it's been very successful. And I think that's the thing I'm most proud of is, is the team has come through this uh, still solid Still cohesive and, uh, and still believing in what we're doing for the future. That's fantastic so, to
0: hear. A Fifty percent um, drop in revenue—that's a real been, number.
1: <laughs> it is a real number, and and of course it's very concerning. Uh, being a public company, we have shareholders right. to account to a board that is uh, is appointed by the, the, the public shareholders. Um, so we, you know, we're under a microscope. We need to perform.
0: No, the, the realities of quarterly earnings and the you know there's a lot of realities as a publicly traded company that you 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 you've got you've got extra stuff to deal with that maybe a startup or a privately held company doesn't have to deal with and in in the same way you still everyone's still accountable to someone but you have a very formal accountability structure in place.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure do, we sure do, and uh, and it can be stressful at times, but uh, um, you know we as I said as a as a company our team believes in what we're doing. And we're moving forward with it. Uh, we're accelerating our our, uh, our developments, and uh, really excited about where we're going in the future. I Appreciate that.
0: And from a from a business and just the economy and revenue standpoint, have you guys seen things really come back? Uh, how's that? How's the trend of returning to you know kind of pre pre COVID, and then how is you know how are things looking for you from a, from a future perspective?
1: Um. The resource sector, of course, is going strong right now. Oil and gas is... Uh, yeah,
0: $80 oil, as you, yesterday as you was said.
1: Yesterday $83 a, a barrel of oil. And, and I think when COVID first started, um, there were a lot of prognosticators uh, indicating that it's the end of, of $60 oil. We'll never see $60 oil again. And, and here we are, you know, 18 months later at $83. I mean, it's... Uh, um, I, I, I'm excited that uh, that that oil and gas is still strong, will it last? That remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of signs out there that that say that uh, there's a, there's a you know some some loose lug nuts on the wheels to the bus and <laughs> and hopefully they don't fall off anytime soon and we get them tightened up prior to them falling off the bus. Um, I'm worried. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm worried about uh, the future of oil and gas here in Alberta and uh, and, and around the world, in fact. Uh, there's a lot of negative sentiment against it. I think uh, a lot of it is media hype. Um, a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, a lot of negative uh, sentiment out there is really uh, what what we have going on. And we have to get over that. We have to figure out, technology and how to use our resources better we can't just say we're not going to use oil and gas i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you on a computer i know if yeah. we didn't have it i mean we've seen those uh, videos online with say take away oil and gas and see what's left in the room that you're in you're actually sitting on the ground yeah, so, so the
0: you're table. not even sitting on a chair anymore Yeah. <laughs>
1: totally. yeah you're not even sitting on a chair anymore so it's a bit unreasonable to think that we can just cut off our oil and gas resources and 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 survive as a as a world uh,
0: no when it talks about world you know population. we've been very spoiled in in you know in north america to have relatively cheap energy and cheap heating cheap everything at our disposal and you use, you 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 read some of those of doom and gloom scenarios of the, you know, what if we did turn off oil and gas just from a, a cost of energy perspective? And, you know, it's very interesting. I You know, anyways, we're getting onto another topic here, but the philosophy of this incredibly negative sentiment versus the reality of need and how our world runs and this isn't an overnight change and, you know, it, it is a direction we're headed, but we, if we were a little bit more in sync with the, the extreme natures of what we, the reality versus the sentiment, I think we could have we could stage a much better conversation but it's so polarizing right now. That's just unhealthy for in, in any situation. It's just two two sides yelling at each other but no one's listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so there's there I've I've seen more divisiveness in the world today than in the 61 years I've been on this planet. It's it's pretty scary uh, from a political realm to the COVID thing just the the vaccine the vaccination yeah, has been so polarizing. Um to all of the, the stuff that's going on uh, you know, in the environment. Uh, we're, we are so polarized right now, and, and I, I get it, it's human nature. You take one side or the other, there's no middle ground. <laughs> you know, it's a yes or a no, it's black or white. Uh, you but know, the but answers are in the middle though, towards. Alvin, aren't they? Are, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, answer I mean, the answer is often in, in the middle. <laughs> yeah, just kind of move towards the center uh, and not be so extreme about uh, each end of the spectrum. But extremes, Uh, extremes make good, extremes
0: make good sound bites.
1: (laughs) Well, that's it. Right. Um, Uh, you know, media, media spin now is, 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 is a reality. Look at what's going on
0: with Facebook. Uh, I know. Yeah. There's lots of, there's lots of examples of the toxicity of it. Yeah. I I agree. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's not end on an egg. That kind of, we we got a little dark. We went a little dark there at the end, Alvin. (laughs) Uh, You want to talk, you want to have a real conversation. You got to talk about all the things. Yeah, for hey, sure. Hey, what's the best for way if sure. somebody wants obviously you've got your website, Titanlogics.com, if people want to check you guys out. If someone wants to reach out and get a hold of you or get in get in touch with your organization to have a chat, what's the best way?
1: Sure. I'm um, either on LinkedIn, I'm uh, I've got a decent profile on LinkedIn at Alvin Pike, A-L V-I-N-P-Y-K-E, or my email address is Alvin P at Titanlogics with an X dot com.
0: Awesome. Thanks, thanks Alvin. So I always appreciate when somebody TV throws their TV throws their email out. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, happy to talk to anybody about anything at any time. <laughs> I, I, I love a great conversation. I love
0: how you, you open with, you know, my I'm back to my childhood. I'm back to my childhood curiosity. That is a great place to be in your career. So I, I love that that, yeah, that was kind of your is. opening yeah. position on that. I do it because I love it and, and I'm super curious about all things technology. So I've really enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate we got a little bit philosophical in there as well, which is, which is always, always fun and layered into the technical. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that was great, Tyler. Uh, thank you for having me on today. I really enjoyed the conversation with you. I hope I didn't uh, didn't get too many people upset with my views. Well, you know, if we a little yeah. bit of hate mail lets no. me know
0: people are listening. So you know, again, you got to take all of it. Yeah. You got to take the good yeah. with the bad. No, Alvin, I, pre- yeah. I appreciated yeah. the position you that you came at it from, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for being willing to come on the show. I really enjoyed it. Mm.
1: Yeah, thank you, Tyler. You enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, hopefully, I'll get to see you again
0: soon. Absolutely, abs- Calgary—that's a nice beauty of our small town. I'll probably run into you at the coffee shop within the week, because that's how it, that's how it happens. Thanks, Alan. Have yourself, Just yeah. a good day. Cheers. Bye.